Minnesota Twins, congratulations! First postseason victory since 2004, snapping an 18-game playoff losing streak. Um, the Blue Jays' playoff mm. losing streak now extended to six games, Brent. I would not like to offer them a lick of congratulations. I am mad at them. How dare they go out there and hand the blue? Nobody ever. Oh, right. They, they've lost six straight of their own now. Climbing mm. up that, that chart uh, much quicker than you'd like. I wish I wish I expected something different. Not that I thought that's exactly how it was going to go, but that was definitely uh, in my game scripts that I wrote up. Uh, it was certainly a possible one that we saw yesterday, Ben. Yeah, uh, more than possible. I don't want to say likely yeah, because you feel strong. Yeah, you you you, you want to be optimistic going into uh, an opportunity like the Blue Jays had in front of them to erase the memories of 162 games, which, again, our conversation with Dan Schulman yesterday, factually successful. The goal of getting into the playoffs was achieved. They won more games than they lost. They won not quite 90 games, and in a descending... stepping over that bar that's on the floor right now. <laughs> the, the, the amount of victories they've gotten in the postseason or in the regular season w was was a lot less not a lot less but less than the last two years but yeah as far as the likelihood of of losing game one and losing game one in that fashion again not not greater than 50 percent but if they were going to to lose a postseason game i would have probably guessed it looked like that uh they were good pitch in the baseball mm -hmm. starter was not at his best, Kevin nope. Gossman, and it was very open and honest about that post game about that not being his best start, and that was pretty obvious. The offense, a total no show. They didn't have enough power. They got out, out uh, homered. They could not advance a leadoff double mm -hmm. in this baseball game, which did not represent the game tying run, but would have been a nice little emotional boost to <laughs> yes. see Vladimir Guerrero's uh, junior's first extra base hit in the postseason come around to score, and they made. And out on the base pass. Like, it was just, like, start to finish. They played good defense, too. Yeah. So, it, like, all the elements that, that saw this team underwhelmed to the tune of 89 wins during the regular season, it was all there in game one of the postseason against the Minnesota Twins yesterday. It really was. I mean, you mentioned Vladdy getting on, and you're thinking, okay, maybe this is it. Maybe it's the start of something. And also, you know, I know we're so bogged down here, rightfully so, with the Blue Jays' postseason failures, but do you not think if you make the perennial chokers get a little tighter late in a game and scratch across a run, all of a sudden things feel, oh, I don't know, 100,000 times different in that park and for those players who have never done this thing. It's not just about feeling better for yourself. You scratch one across. We've seen it all the time. It is amazing how quickly the panic meter can go zero to 60 in, in postseason baseball. The other thing that jumped out to me was just at the very beginning of that game, before anything bad had even happened, just the uneasy feel to it from both teams. You had the play where Springer popped up. That was the first pitch of the right. baseball game. And the two, and then Kepler's gesturing at the first baseman like, you got to back up. Somebody should have made a play on that ball. You have Bo and Varsho. It wasn't quite Bo and Springer colliding, but they collide right. on the catch that Bo makes. It, you could just tell. And some of that is, hey, it's baseball. Weird things happen. But it was also just a very uneasy start to the game. Well, and you had Edouard Julien fielding a Vladimir Guerrero Jr. ground ball that looked like, if not a double play, clearly a situation where you could get the lead runner. But he was so terrified, seemingly defensively yes. in that moment. He's like, I just get to take the out. I got to get the out. Yeah. 
No, it was uh, it was a, just a dipping of uh, the toes in the water for both of these teams in the postseason. All right. Before we get into the nitty-gritty of that game and and some of the concerning things from it, it should be stated, just one, yeah. one loss, and there are How two many? required to, oh, okay. to, to, to win the series. <laughs> uh, the Blue Jays in tough against a very tough customer in Sonny Gray, who, as far as ERA is concerned, had a better season than and, Pablo Lopez. And war, I think. Uh, well, you, you look at all the nerd wars. The he, one I saw, I think he's better. Yeah, there's an argument to be made that Sonny Gray had the better season than the guy that really looked like he was cutting a swath through that Blue Jays lineup. And the Blue Jays starting... Uh, Jose Barrios, who had a very, very, very good season, especially considering what he put forth yesterday. But uh, it's must-win time for the Blue Jays. And all things are possible, and all narratives are subject uh, subject to change. And that may happen today as the, the Blue Jays, again, with a 4-30 start in Minnesota against the Twins. Let's start with Kevin Gossman. Though. Mm-hmm. So I mentioned it was not his best start. Hey, it's hard to put everything on Kevin Gossman considering the Blue Jays scored one run in mm. the baseball game. You know, kind of like all the conversations we've had after his starts for the last half of the year. Right. He's <laughs> really been the victim of some horrible run support uh, all season long. Chris Bassett has got all the run support that Kevin Gossman has been looking for this mm. season. With- What's that say? No, we're <laughs> not doing No, we're not doing that. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it says anything, but I will say... If you if you had a take of Kevin Gossman, whether the Twins have a, a tell on his splitter or not, that his numbers against the Minnesota Twins are so alarming, so divergent from his career numbers, that you might be wise maybe not to start him in at least game one of this series. You were emboldened in that belief yesterday. I don't think, like just for the record here, I think Buck Martinez hit it on the head throughout the course of the broadcast. It's like, the, these guys aren't... They don't look to me like they're taking swings knowing what's coming. Mm-hmm. I think what Kevin Gossman has done is not throw enough strikes early in counts, get into pitchers' counts enough that it makes the splitter as effective as it's been this season, and they're just spitting on it. There's also this part. I don't think this part can be overstated enough, and I'm kind of joking, but it's mostly true what I'm saying. You're so used, and I'm talking to you out there who watched that game yesterday, are so used to watching the Blue Jays take at bats that a team going up there with a concerted plan and attacking it and sticking to it and Mm -hmm. taking pitches and working the count, it almost feels like, oh, he must be tipping. Look at these guys. They have an actual plan of attack up there. There's no way anybody could just do that in a major league game without (laughs) knowing what's coming. Like, obviously that's not impacting how Buck Martinez views it, but I think for all of us out there watching, I do think there's a little something to that. Now, They've been all over Gosman to an extent that I I hope. I don't think we'll see with Barrios today. So there's something there. But I really think it is much more a case of what you said, falling behind in counts. And also, that is just a team with a really nice approach. Yeah. We all heard the stat about Julian, that he was four for six in a bats against Gosman, and it swung at five of the 35 pitches. That's a man with a plan, like mm-hmm. it is right there. Yeah, and leads off the game with the walk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then immediately proceeding that, a man who I didn't think was going to be on this playoff roster. You, again, you listen to Buck Martinez on the broadcast. He talked to Royce Lewis. Royce Lewis didn't indicate to him that he was going to be ready for this postseason series and on the postseason roster. Uh, lo and behold, he's not just 
on the roster. He's in the starting lineup. He's cranking two home runs he had in his first ever postseason literally game. Literally no one has ever had in the, with the two home runs, driving in all the runs, taking a walk, and doing it in his debut. Literally. Never yeah. before in baseball. No, I, and part of that is he's a really great player, mm-hmm. no doubt. But part of it is also he got himself into fastball counts against a guy who has a good fastball, but it is not his number one pitch. And well, talking about Kevin Gosman, look at where they both were. Right, uh, first one's in a full count, and it's on the edge of the plate, but it is elevated, and he's looking for it, and he turns it turns on it and, and parks it to left field, uh, opening the scoring. It's two nothing. Minnesota after the Blue Jays, of course, go wanting in the first inning as they've gone now. I think it's 12 straight games they've failed to score in the first inning. The 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 most divergent um, run differential of any inning for the Blue Jays this season. And then the second one, 3-1 count. That's what you're supposed to do with the 3-1 fastball that's middle-middle. Yep. Generally, you pull it, but, but he hit it out. Pretty well, no doubt, or to, to right field. He wanted style points, one-on-one to each field. So... He was responsible for all of the Minnesota Twins offense in yesterday's game. And if you were going to take the the positive approach to viewing yesterday's game for the Blue Jays, you would say, hey, you know, they did out hit the Minnesota Twins six to five. They were basically victimized by one dude. But the negative person, mm, uh, what, like 1.5. Michael A. Taylor is a part of this. He's not not a part of this. All right. Um the one dude that they were victimized by in Royce Lewis hit two home runs, and the Blue Jays hit none. They mm-hmm. had one extra base hit. That was the Vladimir Guerrero Jr. double that they were unable to cash leading off, what was it, the sixth inning. This has been the issue for the Blue Jays all season long. They, they've had way more hits than the Minnesota Twins this season. Their batting average was way higher throughout the course of the regular season. Total bases? Other direction. The Minnesota Twins had way more total bases. The Minnesota Twins hit home runs. When you get to the postseason, and this is something the players very much understand, that it's very difficult to string together a bunch of hits against the the quality of starting pitching that you're going to see in October. You know what's an easier way to, to score runs? Is get guys on base and then hit multiple run home runs, which the Minnesota Twins did, which the Blue Jays haven't all season long. Yeah, it's the old Mark McGuire uh, from The Simpsons. You guys want to string together a bunch of singles or you want to watch me sock some dingers? Guess what? Dingers work. And yes, of course, if you're a team that has, like we've talked about, the ability to string together hits, but why would we ever, ever, ever for a million years think that that's this Blue Jays team? They haven't been it at any point in time. And then the problem with the, and to your point, not the lack of hits, but the lack of runners in scoring position, the lack of doing anything with them there leads you to your Bichette play last night. Mm-hmm. It forces your hand. Now, I want to be clear. I'm not saying Bichette had to do that, but I understand how a team that never is able to scratch anybody across says, ah, we have half a chance here. We have to try. What's, what is the likelihood I'm going to get thrown out at home or the next guy up is going to get out and the inning's going to be over? I'm, I, I am not taking Bichette off the hook for that by any means, but it begets those chances that you have to take when you have such trouble scoring runs. I don't have the strongest take on that play because, I mean, actually, in in retrospect, we can play the result on it. It was a bad decision mm-hmm. because it got thrown out of the play yep. by a significant margin. It was a great play it was. By, by Carlos Correa. Just, the wash cooked. No 
fascia or planter, mm-hmm. whatever one he <laughs> no, tore. I, I can't the, remember. It was the the fascia. Okay. That was part. What is the planter part of the know. planter fasciitis? I don't know. Anyways, uh, he did great. <laughs> Good for him. <laughs> he no, made, let me tell you, did not affect his arm. No, and it took a, a great play. I mean, it 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 looks like. It's a routine play because the ball gets there in such a mm-hmm. manner so quickly and with such an accurate throw that that Bobichet is DOA and Luis Rivera was throwing up the stop sign, yes. which is also that's tough. It's a rough look, but in that moment, you're not looking at the no, third base. You, you coach. have to be a ba- you have to be an athlete. You have to be a baseball player. You're in the throes of it there, and it's a three nothing baseball game. It's also the fourth inning, though, mm-hmm. right? Like if if Bobichet scores on that play. Um, it's a three-one baseball game. Your the the rally continues. There's totally. still two on for Matt Chapman, who I mean, it is Matt Chapman as well. Yeah, and understanding his career numbers, but also he's hitting eighth in this lineup for yep. a reason. So yeah, I get it. With two outs, it is a kind of an a moment where you might take a chance. Uh, again, you can play the results a little bit, and I know even on the panel after the game, mm-hmm. we had a couple of differing opinions. Joe Siddle, uh, I think, was fine with it, thought mm-hmm. it was a, a, a more than reasonable risk, where Caleb Joseph is thinking, you know, you, you start putting, the, to your point about putting the screws or putting the 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 building blocks in play to have the Minnesota Twins start realizing that they're mm-hmm. riding an 18-game uh <laughs> playoff losing streak in a situation where things might be unraveling. I understand that too. It's not the difference in the baseball game. I I just want to be on record with my opinion of it. I got no problem. We can play the result and guess what? He didn't score. So it was dumb. Like that is factually true, but because of everything we've said about this team's inability and just the trouble they have converting guys in that position to score and it's the playoffs. You want to force teams to make, throw the ball around a little bit. I again, we can play the results all day. I don't have an issue with it, though. Well, if we're gonna, if we are gonna take the the opinion, and again, I'm not of this opinion mm-hmm. that it was a horrible decision, and that it plays into a narrative that the Blue Jays have carried around all season long. They have been one of the league leaders in in outs on the base pass, yep. and I was one of those. So. Um, I would like to say that eventually it evens out, and if you're an aggressive team on the base pass, eventually, you know, those those ag- aggressive tactics are going to lean in your favor uh, if you're a good base running team. Just hasn't happened this season. Yep. Um, so that was ugly. That wasn't so great. Um, the bullpen was pretty good, though. Pretty damn good, actually. Yep. They, they were tasked with uh, getting a whole bunch of outs after Kevin Gossman, the Blue Jays, Ace, couple, uh, capital A, Ace, only went four innings in this thing. And there were four relievers up in this baseball game. And Eric Swanson, after being the setup man for so much of the season, the first reliever out of the bullpen in this baseball game, he shuts it down uh, with a couple of outs. Tim Meza, Chad Green, Yenesis Cabrera, and then Jordan Hicks, after getting the first two outs and then loading the bases himself, gets out of his own jam. I mean, if you're looking, again, for positives... It was the bullpen yesterday for the Blue Jays. Yeah, so I want to pick up on Swanson because this is something we talked about. I actually think it was Buck we talked about with this last week, the idea of following up Gosman with Swanson with both of them being splitter guys, and that's not to say they're the same pitcher. Obviously, they're very different. But it is interesting that, and I understand that the tip, the tell would be coming from Gosman, not on the pitch itself. 
But if you felt like the Twins had a really good approach to that and there was something that was not Gosman-specific, I don't think you would have gone there. So I don't know what there is to read out of that, but there's a little something there that they still went to to Swanson. Uh, The Hicks thing, yeah, he got out of the jam. Good on him there. But that is the scary side of Jordan Hicks right there is the free passes and the walks. and The Cardinals know that Jordan Hicks. Very, very well. And that is the thing that... Again, when everybody's sitting here going, no, no, you can't have, you need Hicks to be the guy, not Romano, yada, yada. That's the thing that will will bite you with him. So other than that, the pen was nails, gave the team a chance. But again, does it not just feel like we're doing a show that we would have done after an August 15th loss right. where, hey, you know, Gosman was good enough and the offense, boy, they had their chances. But mm-hmm. it's just, it is amazing that this team is, it's the Denny Green meme. They are who we thought they were, well, and we're not going to let them off the hook this time. No, and that's the thing. Again, they have a chance to change the narrative today in game two against the Minnesota Twins, win tonight or this afternoon, supper time, uh, and then win tomorrow, and you're through <laughs> no, the wild card round. No, it's not supper round. time. It's the supper hour. Sorry, supper you gotta, hour. You got to sound older when you say it that way. Uh, and then you're into the ALDS, and, and things have changed. Not to look too far ahead and, and think about the decision-making that's going to surround this baseball team in the offseason. But if you take a 162-game sample, you are this team for that amount of time, and then that continues into the postseason. How are you not supposed to walk away from this season with the takeaway that this team was built with too much of a tilt towards defense and not that defense isn't important? And Dalton Varsho made a nice play in left field. Blue Jays made all the plays in the field that they were required to make. And we're going to talk about some of the other games around Major League Baseball. Not everybody did that. And there Mm -hmm. were some notable instances of defensive plays not made. And Mm -hmm. it almost cost the Minnesota Twins yesterday. And we talked about that play. The Bobichette play at the plate uh, ends up actually being a positive defensive play. So defense is good. But yeah, this is a a situation, a, a deficiency with this Blue Jays team we've been talking all season long about that they do not hit enough Home runs. How is it not going to be the takeaway from this team if today looks similar to yesterday and they get out homered and they don't score enough runs? How are we not going to go into this offseason and say this this offense needs a total overhaul, by which I mean it needs more guys that hit home runs in it? Well, and I don't want to make this about this guy because he's been far from the problem this year. We're going to do our hitter confidence rankings a little later on. I imagine he'll be somewhat high up on both our lists there, but... You know, for a team that struggles with pop, the idea that your DH backup first base type is a gives you good at bats, you know, get some pokes, but is not an overwhelming power guy in Brandon Belt. Like that right there. And I know that's kind of like 1990 baseball thinking of, oh, your first baseman DH has to be a power guy. I don't know. That's as good a place to start as any. Because guess what? You don't have to worry about the defense there. Like every time we talk about Dalton Varsho's struggles at the plate, we have to throw in the caveat that is right of look what he gives you defensively and look what he does on the base pass and yada, yada, yada. Masher time. That is what this team is missing, and it's so easy to point to T. Oscar, and that's not to say he had to be the guy, but when I just look at that specific spot on the roster, the one where you do not have to worry about how is he on the base pass, what does he give you defensively, should just be someone who mashes. Yeah, and he's hit a a couple of home runs after coming off the IL, Um, but also he was a late add to this team. Yes. You will recall the the way the offseason was going along. It was, hey – Oh, Brandon Belt? Like, it wasn't even necessarily in the plans. It was kind of like, oh, well, that's kind of superfluous. Meanwhile, you go into the season, and for long stretches of it, he's been 
the Blue Jays' most reliable, most important, most effective hitter this season um, was was the cleanup man for the Blue Jays in spring training, and then on opening day it was Dalton Varsho. But 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 clearly a guy that boy, if they didn't have Brandon Belt, I don't know where they would have been this season. But batting two like, yeah. yesterday, like no, they 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 just they went in such a divergent direction from the 2022 Blue Jays in 2023, and for reasons that I understand, like the outfield defense was a significant factor into why the the Blue Jays actually made the playoffs and won 89 games. They were great, great defensively, and also you look at the team. ERA. I mean, it's you think of of defense being something that's not represented in ERA because you think of errors. Right. That's not what we're talking no. about here. Those guys made plays that wouldn't have shown up on a traditional stat sheet. So I get it. Like there were elements that this Blue Jays front office hit on that were correct mm-hmm. and and made this team better in respects. But they they went too far in one direction. The other part of it is also that they got some, I guess, outlier results. Maybe not outlier in, in Alejandro Kirk. They, they maybe thought um, too much of his ability to replicate what he did offensively last year and being an all-star. And Vladimir Guerrero Jr., his home road splits this season. Anyways, that, that does feel like an off-season discussion, but I, it was ringing around in my head yesterday when the Blue Jays how were once again, once again getting out homered. Yeah, how can it not ring around in your head? That's exactly it. And you're right. This is a conversation for, well, hopefully not, but as early as tomorrow morning. It is very much on the table because of exactly that. And, you know, I I don't think, again, it's not Brandon Belt's fault that this team doesn't hit enough home runs. He provides a very useful utility. But if you're going to prioritize hitting, you're going to prioritize, or sorry, you're going to prioritize defense, mm-hmm. then that is the easiest spot where you can just point to. But... Look, they're going to need a new third baseman next year. Like yeah. uh, Matt Chapman ain't coming back. So what does that person's profile look like? Are they more of a glove first person like we've seen at times with Chapman? Are they more of a bat? Do you try to have some mixing and matching? I mean, just you want to talk about team building. Look at the way this Twins team is built. It was the first thing they talked about on the broadcast yesterday, and rightfully so, that Baldelli uses everybody on yep. his roster. And that's that's by design. That team is built with the idea of platooning and mixing and matching and defensive substitutions late or getting a guy in at a time that works and for him. And they don't have any 50 homer guys, but they are the league leader in the American League in home runs. I think that's such an important it, thing to <laughs> drill home. Please say that again. Yes. They hit a bunch of home runs despite the fact that they do not have Barry Bonds on this baseball team. They have a <laughs> bunch of guys that are capable of hitting home runs. Yeah. Like, I mean, you, and I know that they'll say that's what they thought they were building here, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Varsho is supposed to be a guy who's capable of hitting home runs. At 27 last year. Yeah, it was the the thing that everybody kept saying to us when we said, oh, they traded away Teoscar the power. Oh, Varsho had just as many bonds, if not more, last year. Like, that that is the thing that kept being bandied about. And I imagine you'll see a power... Surge is probably too strong a term, but you'll see more power out of him at times in his Jays tenure. A player like that Mm -hmm. is going to have up and down careers. He is not Mr. This is going to be a slash line. This is going to be his production every year. That's not the way that that player works. So I, again, that's, you're right. It's much more of an off season discussion, but how can you not look at it when you see the way the the twins are built? And, and it's very naked because they have so much of the things that the Jays have as well. Like it may be, maybe heading into this series, you would have felt better about the Jays 
today's rotation just on paper, but you saw what they had out of Lopez. You're going to see what they have yeah. in gray today. You saw that mutant Duran at the end of the game. Yeah. Deal bar, not an easy guy to deal with. It really is disheartening when you go out shop at the top of the reliever market. You get the guy who does touch he's 100. still the second best guy. He's, <laughs> and then you, your first playoff game, he faces the guy who throws the hardest fastball. Okay, can we just talk about, like, this is super minutia, but we're going to do it here. What must be going through? I'm forgetting who the batter was. When you get up there and it's all right, okay, okay, just like it's 103 with cut. I really have to steal myself for this. And then he threw it was five or six straight curveballs. Kevin Kiermeyer, <laughs> who has turned on many a fastball and was, That's was, right, one, was Kiermaier, yeah. one of the, the bright spots offensively for the Blue Jay, looked very hitterish throughout the course mm-hmm. of the game, had the one RBI for the Blue Jays and then was on base and, you know was very close to trotting home with one of the two game-tying runs when Matt Chapman hit a ball 400 feet to right center field, but not 405 no. feet that would have been the game-tying double. But Kim Kiermaier looked great. But you're right. Like it's, it's the top of the ninth inning. Here comes literally the hardest thrower in Major League Baseball. No, make it sound scarier. On earth. Yeah. Nobody's doing it better than that guy. You're right. I don't know that for a fact. No, I do. I, I do. I refuse to believe there's some guy who runs it up to 107 and we haven't unearthed him yet. Yeah, you're right. That, that, yeah. What, why would that guy not at least, you know, contact a major league team and say, can I, can I try out? Maybe it's the only pitch I throw and maybe I don't throw it uh, where I want to all the time. But it's 107. Now this, now this just sounds like the, uh, the, the, the movie, the scout with like Brandon Frazier right. and what, Mel Brooks. Yeah. Um, that guy throws 103, <laughs> and you're Kevin Kiermaier, and you're like, okay, this is really fast, but, like, I, I kind of hit fastballs, and I got to be geared up for it. And then, yeah, was three straight curveballs <laughs> in the at-bat to strike him out. <laughs> and then it was, yeah, you're right. I think to, the was, next, to the next guy, he Chapman, saw at least two. Yeah, Chapman saw, I think, two curveballs to start and his at-bat, too. then it was 101 at his eyes. And I, I you can... Yeah, I will say, we have talked a lot about the plan for Jay's hitters at times this year. A guy who has 102, 103, and you've seen five straight curveballs, and mm-hmm. then it's 101 at your eyes. I don't, I don't know what you're supposed to do with that. I mean, I know the answer is not swing, but that's not realistic. <laughs> no, I know. So often we we criticize major league hitters. You're like, how are you swinging at that? How do you take that right down the middle? The the decision making oh, in the- those moments, it's it's near humanly impossible not to be just guessing and these guys somehow don't but it's it- why it's why the gifts from pitching ninja are truly one of sports greatest public services they are to just say this is why mm-hmm. here here look the ball is six feet from home plate and mm-hmm. it's in the exact same tunnel as if it's 101 <laughs> or 86 right. You do something with that. Yeah, right. You somehow recognize the spin on the baseball. <laughs> Anyways, Duran is is top. The Blue Jays did eventually get the tying run to the yeah. plate against him. And George Springer, as I predicted on Twitter, was going to swing the first pitch, <laughs> expecting it to be a fastball. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. He hit it hard uh, right out of defender. Blue Jays, yeah, their their opportunities were before facing that guy. I, I He's not perfect. And in fact, like numbers-wise, is not the best closer in Major League Baseball. I think if you're going to win a baseball game, you're going to want to get out to an early lead, partly because of this statistic. Brent, <laughs> when do you think the last time the Blue Jays came back from a three-run deficit was? Was I born? It feels like I might not have been alive for it. Well, certainly before <laughs> the All-Star break. July 9th was the last time the Toronto Blue Jays 
came back from a three-run deficit, which is, hey, teams don't come back. for Three runs, that's a significant deficit. It is technically a save opportunity if it's a three-run baseball game in the ninth inning. Uh, teams' records, when trailing by three runs, you would notice is it's not very good. No. It, it's, you don't want to go down three runs. Got it. It does happen, though. Other teams are capable of doing it. Yeah. And this... I, I, I like to, you know, talk about the chicken littles on Twitter who talk about, oh, the game's over. Right. Uh, when it's when it's one nothing, two nothing, and then three nothing oh, early no. in They're a baseball right, game. They're not right, are they? They've been right. <laughs> it's it's hard to argue otherwise. If there was like one example in the second half of the season, maybe you could criticize that line of thinking. It is hard to do that with this team the way they have not been built to come back from. In baseball games, couple that with not scoring in the first inning ever. That's a bad formula, man. That's not that's not what you want. That's a, the, like the team that doesn't score, doesn't come back in games, having the worst run differential of any inning in the first inning. I, I got to tell you, that's about as as bad a formula as you can have. Yeah, you don't want even one of those. When you marry them together, it feels like the worst thing that could that could possibly happen. The the thing I keep coming back to with with this team and the idea of. You know, when we when we have seen late rallies from them, and I guess it wouldn't have been with a three run deficit because then you would that that stat wouldn't be true. But mm-hmm. you know, we think back to them walking, them getting the world walked against them, and just walking in extra runs. And look, it's not to or winning runs, and that's not to say that you don't deserve a little credit for it because all we ever ask for this team is to have an approach and maybe take the walk if it's there. So good on you. But it feels like all the times they have had a glimpse of a rally or some late push. It hasn't been getting a bunch of knocks or the big blast. It's been the other team effectively gifting it to you and you being able to take advantage. Yeah. Of hitting not this team's strong suit necessarily. I shouldn't say that because uh, hitting for average, they've, they've actually been fairly good at, but hitting for power scoring runs in baseball games has not been this no. team's strong suit. No. And Last thing I, I want to talk about in this portion of the Blue Jays conversation, because there's going to be plenty today. By the way, Alex Rodriguez is going to join the program uh, before we sign off, before 10 o'clock today, who was on the call on ESPN. So I wondered how the Blue Jays would deploy their right-handed pinch hitters when mm. one of the lefties was matched up against uh, with one of the Twins' lefty relievers. Caleb Thielbar did come out of the bullpen top of the seventh inning against the Blue Jays for Dalton Varsho, who, by the way, I don't think you necessarily have to hard match against. But they did anyways. And hey, they got him there. Might as well. The uh, the first right-handed pinch hitter we saw in that game in this series was Whit Merrifield, which I don't necessarily disagree with considering mm-hmm. the length and breadth of his career and the veteranness of it yeah. all and, and yada, yada, yada despite the fact that he has been abysmal since the start of August, like Brutal. to the tune of an, a sub 600 OPS since August 1st. We talked about this being a small sample and having to live in the moment and seeing the results that play out in front of you and reacting to those. I think Whit Merrifield got his first look. I think you're moving on to somebody else if the opportunity presents itself tonight. And I know, I guess part of it is circumstantial. Like if the Blue Jays just need like contact in that situation, I guess you can make the argument to me that Whit Merrifield is the guy. But if you need to get on base and in that situation was to lead off the top of the mm-hmm. seventh inning, the Blue Jays were down 3-1. I, I I know he was going through it the last couple of weeks of the season in an 0-30 for fashion. 
But I, I think David Schneider is capable, if if not coming up with a base hit there, taking a walk, getting on base. To me, I know it feels reactionary mm-hmm. after one game, but to me, David Schneider would be the guy if you're in a similar situation, whether that's Caleb Thielbar coming in to face Dalton Varsho or Kevin Kiermeyer, or to a lesser extent, um, Kevin Biggio. Because I, I think Kevin Biggio has been good enough against lefties and is capable of taking a walk as well in that same situation. I might not even pinch hit for him, but if like you're talking about getting Varsho out of the game yep. against the lefty, to me, it's David Schneider tonight. Yeah, when you when you see the at-bat from Witt yesterday, you understand to a certain extent, like the bright lights, all that stuff. I know he has, like, we think of Witt like a guy who's played in 500 playoff games, but eh, maybe not that uh, extensive no, a track record. the only he's ones two. he's played yeah, in last yeah. year. Yeah. <laughs> or the Blue Jays ones. And uh, how'd those go? Right, terribly. So the And he takes the walk in the in the ninth inning yep. to allow the tying run to come to the plate. Well, that's and So that's why I do understand that there, but the one thing I'll say about why I think Schneider was probably the better call yesterday. And I don't know, feel free to tell me if I'm wrong on this, but what did we talk about with Schneider during that stretch? Uh, the slump specifically it was so much of the called third strike that was right there. No mm-hmm. one been victimized more by it. I thought the zone was pretty good yesterday. I know the yeah. Jays were squawking about it a little Holy bit here, cow. like, but okay, we could just leave that alone for five seconds. But the, when the zones like that, it makes me want to put Schneider in more. If it's all over the place and you don't know what a strike is and maybe it's high, maybe it's wide, maybe it's low, then I do think a guy like Witt, who just has more professional baseball experience, is probably a guy that you feel more comfortable about in that spot. But for a guy who clearly has pretty good command of the zone right now in Schneider, Mm. on a day where it's a pretty good zone, I feel better about him in that spot. So is it a little play in the result for sure? But that's the thing that jumped out to me yesterday was why I actually think it's just another reason to go with Schneider. It happened so early in the game that I had kind of forgotten about it by the end, but it was weird how on the umpiring the Blue Jays were in that baseball game. It started with Kevin Gossman, who well, thought he was getting squeezed. Doesn't it feel like he went into that game, and you know, I'm sure he was listening, but he heard me say the bottom of the zone is going to be so crucial to yeah. if they're able to get the splitter. Like, it just felt like he knew how all over that pitch they were, and it was so it was so crucial to him. But guess what? Starting a fight in the first inning is not the way to go about getting well, calls. Well, I, I, unless it resulted in the called strike three to Edouard Julien on a full count pitch that was clearly not a strike, that maybe it ends his outing even earlier than it ended up uh, ending. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I thought, if anything, we're talking about Kevin Gossman benefiting from some called strikes in that baseball game. We saw Brandon Belt kind of whine about it as well. But, no, the the umpiring, not not anywhere near the top of the list of reasons the Blue Jays didn't win the baseball game. Well, I I understood where he was coming from because it it looked bad on TV. But the one in the, I guess, would have been the eighth where Chapman got mm-hmm. rung up on the called third strike and the catcher started throwing it around before the ump had even yeah. gone into his motion. Strike. It was a strike. It was a when, perfect pitch. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know what he was upset about. It's like, it did look funny. Yeah. So, but I imagine the ump gave a, again, as I've, I've done wonderfully on the air before, I imagine the ump gave a big old stir. Yeah, that's right. There was probably an audio uh, indication yes. that that was, that was strike three, not to spoil my uh, hitter confidence rankings. I was kind of, weirdly encouraged by Ooh. Matt Chapman yesterday. He Whoa. had the, the base hit that probably shouldn't have been a base hit, but yeah. he hit it hard. And then again, three feet away from a, an epic game tying oh, two mean, run double. It's this is the thing about playoff baseball, right? Like literal inches away from 
an entire conversation being not just the conversation around the game, but for that guy to come through in that spot oh, when nobody, team. Yeah, and it's exactly. like, oh, they, they didn't come back from three runs since July. Oh, yeah. they did it in their first, first playoff, playoff game because yeah. they're winners. It's just that's yeah. the difference. It's We're talking amazing. about three feet between yeah. that conversation and the conversation we're having today that there's a deep flaw in the makeup of the Toronto Blue Jays well, team. Again, like there's a deep flaw, but also the team that just beat you, again, like so similarly, like I understand the power is the one thing different and that's not nothing, but what do we talk about with the Jays all the time? Great outfield defense. You got victimized twice yeah. by Michael A. Taylor yesterday. Like yeah. even if even if that's another center fielder, they're mm-hmm. not, most center fielders are not making that play. To get back to that ball the Chapman hit, there was the other one, the bloop, I think it came off Kirk's bat, mm-hmm. that he made the great running catch in early. Like that is the thing that is so frustrating about this is you're seeing, it's like the mirror image of yourself Mm -hmm. but they're three inches taller or something like that maybe the blue jays are due we'll see against a guy who has a sub three era in sunny gray today starting against jose barrios all right when we come back there were three other major league baseball playoff games yesterday with the quadruple header a couple of them are very interesting from a Blue Jays fan perspective Uh, one because the Rays they lost and the manner in which they lost the other is Former Blue Jays are doing things in the postseason. And a guy that was in a rather notable trade this past offseason coming up large for the Arizona Diamondbacks. That and more next. The Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. In-depth Blue Jays coverage with an analytical twist. Jays Talk Plus with Blake Murphy. Be sure to subscribe and download Jays Talk on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Show Sports Net 59 the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. You know who doesn't have to go back to July to look at their last comeback of three runs or more? Whom? That's the Arizona Diamondbacks oh. who did it yesterday. Oh, there you go. <laughs> they were down three-nothing, similarly to the Blue Jays. After two, they were down three-nothing. They came back to beat the Milwaukee Brewers six to three, fighting tooth and nail to just get into the playoffs mm-hmm. until the last day of the regular season. That was a home run hit by a fellow Blue Jays fans are well-versed in. He was the top prospect for a couple years there. Gabriel Moreno, Mm. notable piece in in a trade that netted the Blue Jays. Dalton Varsho, he hit a home run, also walked in that baseball game, also looked extremely dangerous at the plate. His knock, Brent, as a Blue Jays piece for the the, the Mm -hmm. future was that Hey, yeah, he, he hits for a high average. He might be able to get on base, and he plays great defense. But the power, it's just, it, it's empty calories. When you hit 280, but you have a slugging percentage of 350, like mm-hmm. that's that's all well and good, especially at the catcher position. But the the idea that he's going to be some MVP type player, you can't do that if you're not hitting the occasional home run. This is, I mean, it's just one game. But I'll take you back to the beginning of July for this guy, where he has slugged. In the regular season, and and it's only 48 games because he mm-hmm. spent some time on the IL, 
slugged 500 over that span with five home runs and an OPS of almost 900. The, what we're seeing in the mm-hmm. second half for Gabriel Moreno is, and it, the Blue Jays can take care of their own business, and if they win a World Series, they won't be thinking about this. This is the nightmare scenario that he could be turning into Buster Posey. It is terrifying, and the scariest part about it is, yes, there was the knock of there was the knock of the bat maybe isn't quite as elite as the rest of him is, but especially at the catcher position, you can very much live with that. And all of the talk we heard about him wasn't just a good catcher prospect, like special, little bit special was there. And look, you have to give talent to get talent. Uh, the fact that Lord Escurial Jr. was in that trade and he had the year he had, mm-hmm. the fact that he has that knock in his first postseason game, there's no way to extrapolate this. Who knows what his playoff numbers are going to look like, but already has more career playoff homers than Bo and Vladdy combined. That's right. That Like, it is the thing that this team is missing. It is the piece who is most recently here. It is a guy who lines up perfectly with the rest of your ever-shrinking because of what happened to Manoa this year and trades you have made, but young core that you want to keep together. That is doomsday, doomsday, doomsday. And for it to come after you just watched the game from your team? <laughs> from a timing perspective, it's yeah. not great. It's terrible. You, you know how many home runs Dalton Varsho hit yesterday? None. Zero. <laughs> it didn't get to finish the game for the Blue Jays because he was pinch hit for against the left. He made a, a nice little running play in left field. And, and we are talking about tiny, tiny samples, but no one would be surprised if this thing continued on the trajectory that it's going on. And I mentioned the Buster Posey thing. It is a pretty good catcher in Baltimore and in Adley mm-hmm. Rutschman. When you have that position sewn up, when the when so many teams are just looking for defense yep. behind the plate, right? They're like, hey, if we can get just league average offense or something close to that, mm-hmm. but upper level defense from the catching position, we're better off than half the teams in Major League Baseball. When you can turn that into a legit offensive threat and maybe the best player on on your team in the case of the Baltimore Orioles and maybe in the case of the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks although Corbin Carroll is probably going to be the, their best player mm-hmm. going forward like that is it's 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 the one position that seemingly throughout the course of time in Major League Baseball if you've got one of those elite guys those guys win World Series Buster Posey yep. won more than a few yeah and I, I realized that this that this group didn't win World Series but when you look at this team the most frustrating part of it is that the offense from your catcher position just vanished overnight this year you could and I the it's another example of Brent was right, but I, this is the reason why I was not a big believer in Kirk Jansen, the bandaid thing, but you could have reasonably extrapolated that. Okay. Alejandro Kirk and Danny Jansen are going to give you good offensive production as a tandem going forward. And that's why you can afford to make this trade. Yeah. We saw the year Kirk had and God love Danny Jansen, but if he ever plays, I don't know, 90 games in a season, it feels like it'd be a miracle at, the, at this point, the way he is always, 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 banged up and that is the part that just drives you nuts it is not just the it's not just that he's coming through and it's not just that he's doing it it is well and Kirk has been great defensively carrying all the mail and with the workload he's had you do have to diminish what you're going to expect offensively but the fact that that's just been a black hole for them this year it is so infuriating and again it's just it's you can just do the x the apples to oranges comparison it's right there you know it's going to make you more mad (sighs) When I tell it's the, not hard. Like, that's the thing you'll know working with me. It's like very easy to rile me up. I mean, I don't, I'm about to say a thing that is unassailable and, and is 
if you haven't thought about it, the most frustrating thing about the 2023 <laughs> Toronto Blue Jays. If they just run it back with what they had a season ago, go out and sign Chris Bassett. And okay, you don't have Eric Swanson, but like you have Teoscar Hernandez uh, as your your DH, maybe against left-handed pitchers. And maybe you don't have a Brandon Belt. Maybe, maybe, and I know that the, the money was part of it, mm-hmm. right? That he's making more than $20 million in arbitration, yep. but you lop off the whatever $9 million that Brandon Belt's mm-hmm. making. Maybe you cut salary somewhere else. Or maybe, you okay, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. can still be a guy that you trade away mm-hmm. and get some relief help. Maybe it's not to the level of Eric Swanson, who's been good for this yep. team. It was not a massive difference maker, not to the degree at which having a, a 30 home run type power guy like Teoscar Hernandez would have. And you still have Gabriel Moreno Jr. And I also understand that this Blue Jays team, it w- they didn't go into that trade season understanding that they had three catchers wanting to trade Moreno. They they probably pushed to have one of the other guys traded. It was probably, honestly, Danny Jansen, mm-hmm. who's at, at this point, prob- the, the the more valuable of he or, and and Kirk. Like if you're if you're a Blue Jays fan and you had your druthers, who would you rather have next season behind the plate? It's Danny Jansen. It's not Alejandro Kirk. But imagine this Blue Jays team with Teoscar Hernandez, yep. M- M- Lourdes Gurriel Jr. to a lesser extent, and he was over in yesterday's game. But Gabriel Moreno just starting his career behind the plate, turning into what he has seemingly turned into since July. Mm-hmm of this season. And then Chris Bassett's there too. Like you can go out and still sign Chris Bassett. No Eric Swanson, which I know would be devastating. You still went out and got the, a better reliever than him at the trade deadline. How is that not a hundred win team this year? Yeah. I was going to say, uh, you probably could have also traded for Eric Swanson seeing as how they traded their closer in also, season. Who got the save yesterday. Of course he did. For, right. For the Diamondbacks. Like, yeah. Yeah. That, Paul Seawald. That is Wow. When you lay it out like that, that is incredibly, incredibly frustrating. And it is just these, all we ever want from teams is to take a swing. I So like, I'm not going to sit here and say, well, they tried good on them. That was a big, big swing. And you have to deal when you, you get lauded for it, when the swing connects. Yeah. But on the other, on the other side of it, if you do this thing and I don't think we can overstate this enough. It has been half a season sure. at the major league level. It has literally been one night in the postseason. So <laughs> right. maybe cool the Jets for us a little. But if it continues to look this way, and given everything we said about all the catchers and and the moment to strike now and your winning window and the age of some of the players on this team, and I'm not talking about the young guys. I mean the older guys and Chapman free agent, all that stuff. Man, how how can you not? think about that if you're sitting here today yep uh and not every trade obviously the blue jays have made over the last couple of years has ended in potential disaster and in fact there's a guy that's going to be starting in today's baseball game that looks spectacular for a team that's facing the other side of that trade like the twins i understand we're in a position where they were never going to mm-hmm. resign jose barrios to the money that he ended up getting on a seven-year extension with the blue jays yep. so they were kind of like backs against the wall in, in needing to trade him. But the return they got, like Austin Martin turns out like he's n- not good at, at baseball. I've heard. Uh, Simeon Woods Richardson, I guess it's too early to, to talk about what he is, but at the minor league level has not emerged as mm. this potential ace uh, for the Twins. I, I, I think given their druthers, the Twins would... would Maybe not go back and not do the trade, but they would look at a different trade partner. They'd be looking at different pieces. The Blue Jays gave up nothing for a guy who's starting game two of a postseason series for them. They had to sign him to a long-term extension, which, you know, it did cut the the number of teams 
uh, significantly that would be able to trade and then sign Barrios, and that was part of the arithmetic and giving mm-hmm. up guys that had high value at the time. Remember, because the, the conversation wasn't, hey, the Blue Jays, what a coup they oh, got. No. It was like, holy cow, they really pushed themselves to go get this well, guy. Part of it was the the other sport thinking bleeding in. Like, cause Austin Martin was a, like a fifth, high fifth, fifth pick. overall yeah. pick. So it, that part of it, like, I think people hear fifth overall pick and they think of a very different person right. than prospect named Austin Martin. If that would have just been the case. And he would have just been some guy who'd been poking around and mm-hmm. he's a good prospect thought of the exact same way, but the fifth or the fifth overall pick certainly colored it. You know, it's funny. We spend so much time talking about the Jays perspective of the Moreno trade and everything. If you're the twins, you're sitting there going, hold on, hold on. So they for for that guy, Varsho. Yeah. That's they gave up Gabriel Moreno. <laughs> and we got for the game two starter, right. Austin Martin. Right. Like, yeah, it's a lot of frustration to go around. For I sure. think it would be a extreme long shot for Austin Martin to play in a major league baseball game at this point. And yeah, uh the Blue Jays okay, again. Quick, got over it. under career postseason homers, point five. Uh very much under Same. <laughs> For Austin Martin. Um, All right. So, yeah, elsewhere around the majors yesterday on day one of the postseason. So, it's a quadruple header again today. Yeah, we got to do Tampa. I don't know where you're going, but we got to do Tampa. That's where I was going to go. So, yeah, again, playing the results. Hey, Kevin Gosman shouldn't shouldn't have started against the team that he stinks again. Also playing the results. Hey, the Rays were a great matchup for the Blue Jays. (laughs) Like I mentioned, uh, the Trump, not the House of Horrors that people uh, kind of remember it as. The Rays committed four errors in a 4 nothing loss to the Rangers. And it was also, an error for every fan there. It was <laughs> atrocious. And I know it's like piling on at this point, and apparently they're going to get a, a new ballpark, which I guess you're not going to get results like this. But this is staggering. They draw under 20,000 fans. Gross. Lowest playoff turnout in Major League Baseball since 1919, I don't know how accurate their attendance figures were in 1919, <laughs> but yeah, that's a long time. We just had some guy named Bill going, one, two, 20,000. Yeah. That seems a good ballpark number there. The Rays, the, it's embarrassing. I mean, the on-field stuff, that's super embarrassing. Four errors in a playoff game. All we ever talk about is being ready to play, especially that's been, you know, I know they were scrapping for placement and division for a little bit there, but that's been home and cooled for so long. You want to see a team locked in and ready to play in errors. You know, one of them maybe isn't a example of that Four errors to me is an example of a team that was just not locked in, wasn't ready, ready to go. And then maybe this is dumb, but it's not nothing. They became good the second they took devil out of their name mm-hmm. and they wore their devil rays like faux be- throwback jerseys for the first game of the playoffs. Yeah. I don't it's just know bad juju. Do I don't know why you would do that. I have no problem with them. I think they look fine, but yeah. you literally became good when you ditch that and you're like, Hey, playoffs are here. Let's go back to it. Yeah. Why, why, why? Ugly, It'd be ugly like the Jays stuff. wearing their red jerseys, uh, like a home playoff oh game or something. God. Yeah. I mean, their record in those red jerseys just in an overall sense, I, yes. I feel like is horrible. Abysmal. Too. Yeah, so the American League East, over the course of the regular season, it was a beast. Absolute (laughs) dominant division. Three teams into the postseason. Well, after today, it may may just be the Orioles left in the American League East. Who are super gettable, by the way. Very good team, but no closer. And young, very gettable. Yeah, I mean, the American League feels gettable, too. Uh, I mean, could the Twins win it all? Sure. I wouldn't discount the possibility. In Minnesota, they just did that exact topic, and they're like, hey, Elise, fraud division. Yes, I had to hear uh, how bad our division true. was all year long. It's These true. guys can't even beat us. And I then mean, the Rays do that. 
Baltimore. Yeah. I don't know. Hard, hard to argue uh, really with that is. line it really of thinking is. right now. Again, it could all change by 7 o'clock tonight. By the way, it will be 7 o'clock tonight because the early returns on the pitch clock in, in the postseason. the best. Who said it? No, literally no one ever, but yeah. good job. I, I got to say, I, I don't notice it, and oh. the games being over in under three hours, I I, I I can't say a negative thing about the pitch clock. Not I really one, can't. Not one negative thing. All the moments that you thought were going to be maybe rushed a little, guess what? Still felt super, super intense. Uh, yeah, it's amazing what emotion and investment in a baseball game will do that even if it's going quickly, still feels pretty tense. Yeah, and you can watch an 8 o'clock postseason game and be in bed before midnight. Like, you can be in bed before 11 o'clock. It's insane. All right, we'll come back. Back into the Blue Jays. Again, I'm going to try and search for some positive things to take from yesterday's game. I have one. I have one. I have one. We'll get into that next. And also we'll do our Blue Jays batting order confidence rankings as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.